Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Lynn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Yeah, maybe. A man unclear about his own history. <laughs> Mysterious. <laughs> so joining us, Jeff Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I celebrate your certainty. And yeah. joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Media Church, Lee Younger. I'm going straight into a rant. Nobody asked me to go up in the Falcon Heavy, and nobody asked my car to go up in it, and nobody asked my podcast to be a part of it. Wow. Well, here's the part that's confusing me. I mean, my understanding is they actually tie like tied a car with like a, like a gorilla tape. Sure. And then and then a, a, a that's synergy corporate sponsorship. A, a falcon just flapped his wings real hard till it got up there. Yeah, that but, was the theory. Can a falcon get you to Mars? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that's all of that is well and good. Sure. As it may be, and as it pertains to life. Yeah. But I declare a very serious emergency. Wow. Oh, my. Wow. Um, we've got an a, 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 a electronic mail Ooh. that came in to the electronic mail uh, service. service. Sure, yes. You don't even have to go down to the post office to get that. That's and they've what, asked us to stop trying. That's what's crazy about it. Because uh, I go there, I'm like, I'm here to pick up my email. They're like, that's not how that works. I believe you guys have a computer back there with my email on it. I'd like it, please. Uh, I got my ID with me and everything, but they don't They don't care. So here's what happened. We got this uh, uh, email. Now, we have all kinds of super fans out there. Sure. That's true. Some of them uh, have been with us for a long time. Totally. Right. And so uh, they send us messages. Well, this came in from one of our early super fans. Uh, a lady by the name of Edith Love Rumple. Oh, yeah. Edith! How's Edith wow. doing? I I believe uh, she's an octogenarian. Okay. Incredulously named. Uh, yeah, <laughs> almost improbably named. Uh, but Edith, bless her, um, uh, writes in and says, "Dear, say that crew. I listened to the Daddies and her. That's our uh, award, award show. Award sure. show. Our very prestigious." Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah. The rest is just kind of, yeah, you know. Listen to the daddies and heard that you mentioned my name. You are so sweet. I wanted you to know that I'm still listening all the time, and I'm so proud of you boys for helping the young people. Well, this started out well. It's great. Yeah, so far, it's good, but, nice. but hang on. Uh-oh. Because there's a kicker. <laughs> I haven't asked about our Matt in a while because you haven't been teasing him as much as I thought maybe uh, and, and I thought maybe he had himself a little friend. Nope. <laughs> I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody. Well, A lie. Uh, that's You don't fit in with this crew at all in that. You know, some young ladies don't like the spotlight. And I have to admit, I was hoping he'd found him a sweet girl from the neighborhood or something, although I still think Matthew needs a good Southern girl. Mm. Bad news on that front. My granddaughters both have boyfriends now. Shucks. So, um, so that's that part's fine. Okay, here's the part. Is it? That, yeah. Oh yeah, that's fine. No. Uh, <laughs> Disagree. Just, uh, you know, just anything that that just horribly mistreats Matt for insisting on remaining single. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. Anyhow, here's hoping that one day Matt will find happiness. Nope. And maybe a woman. 
Yep. And several small children uh, that he could name after himself and Bible characters. And uh, they could all ride in a van. Okay. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm embellishing. At this point, you're editorializing, bit. yeah. Would they solve mysteries together? I, uh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, As it, I understand it, being a parent is a lot of solving mysteries, <laughs> such as whose waist is this? <laughs> and how did it get here? So, uh, uh, so anyway, I hope that one day Matt will find him and maybe a woman with a good sense to make him mow that face shrubbery off. Wow. That's a real, like, 1920s wow. way to describe facial hair. It, it, this is referencing that he won Best Beard, this yes. year, which is the most prestigious category. That's of the one that matters. Everybody wants it's that It's not one. like the technical thaddies. We don't no. even bother to record those. No, no. The, this is like... It sometimes you know, gets political with the Best Beard, but it's the one. Yeah. That's the one. I mean, you know, that, like, you have... Like, well, it's sponsored uh, by Uncle Mel's Beard Wax, and it's yeah. our only sponsorship up to now. Uh, Honest Amish uh, beard oil. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the good one. And here's here's the really hilarious part. Look it up. I'm not making that one up. Uh, so, uh, best beard, she says, nobody wants a prickle bush to kiss them. Well, that's probably true. Now, I'm not sure if that's a disparaging uh, nickname for a beard or a disparaging nickname for me. Well, I, you know... Little column A, little column Matt. fly both ways. Parts of that sounded naughty. But here's what I'm saying. Uh, first of all, uh, we we insist that Matt get married as soon as possible. Because Certainly. It's, it's an offensive nope. thing, and, and we are against it. Second of all, any woman, and I think this is a... It, it, this is a bedrock, a foundational thing for this podcast. Any Preach woman it, that would that would make Matt shave off his glorious, glorious beard. Come on now, that is not the right woman for this man. Sure, that's that's. Right. It's ba- I basically have the beard in place of my personality. So if you take that away, there's just you know. Let me we're tell you what. Nothing. You can't hide your light under a bushel. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It, you have a gift. That's right. When you have a true gift of an amazing, amazing beard that is just delicious. Yeah. Well, well you that took an uncomfortable turn. You just don't. <laughs> you got to cherish it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. You got to, you got to, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. Get into it. Yes. Get up close with you know, it. Yes. This is... Make friends with it. Get lost in it. <laughs> this has gotten increasingly uncomfortable. <laughs> If you don't, if you if you look at all that and say, just shave that off. Well, you know what? Yeah, uh, you're not the right woman for our Matthew. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Right. So let's talk about uh, just how are we going to deal with this crisis? Well, I think first we need to consider how Matt feels. Oh, Thank really? you. It's about time that someone did that. So how do you feel? I feel fine. Okay, well, moving on then. Right. So the next thing would be, we got to figure out how do we exploit this for our own amusement? Yes. Well, I think, uh, first of all, we, we've we often done contests. Right. Where we invite women to compete for Matt's affections. Yes. So far, no takers. Well, uh, that, that maybe they're intimidated. Have you thought about that? Like a, like a Highland Games type of thing, Glenn? Totally. Definitely a caber or, toss should happen. Or like a Hunger Games style, you put them all in the arena, and oh. then they just t- kind of take each other out. It's like an elimination thing. Exactly. Well, I think that would be great. You could have, for you've example... Not, you've not watched the Hunger Games movies, have you, Glenn? I have not. They don't end happily. Well, uh, 
I, yes. But here's what I'm saying <laughs> is that if, if we had, like, we could have beard quizzes. Sure, yes. Like, uh, we have, like, up close, you know, like, macro photography totally. of Matt's beard. Yes, yes. And then other beards. Can you recognize Matt's beard? Yes, yes. <laughs> and, like, if you don't even know one beard from another... Like they yeah. try to throw, they like try to throw food at at beards, and, and whoever can get the most food stuck in a beard, right, kind of wins Matt's heart on that round. Yeah. So these are mostly games from the eighties uh, and nineties chel- television uh, children's game show Double Dare. That's right. That's, right. That's right. Well, that's it. Building on 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 Lee's idea, how about we do this? Great, uh, preemptively Brit- no, but go ahead. <laughs> great, great British Bake Off. Yes. Which wow. is you just. You you bake as fast as you can. Yeah, speed baking. Nope. But you you bake it, and right. then however much of what you bake congeals into Matt's beer. Golly, wins. Wow, is a good right? game. Yes, like some kind of a custard. Yes, and it's, it's just getting in there. It's here's the thing. penetrating. <laughs> but it can can it be a thing like where the people that get eliminated? There's lots of crying, so we know that it'll stay on television. Mm-hmm. And then, but like. As as long as like as like how many ingredients can make their way into Matt's beard and stay there? Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Oh, Speaking from personal experience, quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also, and not that I'm trying to intentionally derail this topic of conversation or anything, but uh, that also does give us the idea, and I think this is this is where our ship's going to come in, gentlemen. The, this is the true million dollar idea this podcast been building to talk about a spinoff. Oh, talking about Great British Beard Off. Yes. Ah. Wow. Okay. And every Tell week, me. people have to construct beards. Yes. Ah, uh-huh. and, you know, you got to do them in different styles. Right. And you yes. have like, yeah, I guess you have to use a mixer somehow. Yeah. Right. And then you know, a tiny British lady tells you that your beard didn't quite set right. Yes. And the right. lemon's really not working. It's all the way through, and you got to go home now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. The key is consistency. The thing <laughs> is, is that with these days, you could just you could just periscope the whole thing and just have a guy just sitting in front of the camera while his beard grows in real time, like not even right. time lapse. Yes, yes. I think that's perfect. We could launch a subscription service where you can literally pay to watch Matt's beard grow. Yeah. (laughs) I think people would pay for that. I think they would. I don't think I want to meet the people who would pay for that. (laughs) I I think you would get in some kind of dark web (laughs) cryptocurrency thing very quickly. I I, I want to get in on that. They could pay for it with beard coin. That's something. Nice. Beard coin is very volatile nowadays. Yes. (laughs) Here's what I'm saying related to all this. Matt needs love. He does. Incorrect. He needs to be married right now. Nope. Right now. As it's, soon now there's as a possible. tone of voice in there. It's oh. almost like this is motivated by, I don't know, not entirely good faith. Well, here's Like what, maybe somebody spent a lot of time recently hanging some shelves. We're all sick and tired of Matt being free and happy. Yeah. That's got yeah. to end right now. Yes. The train stops here. We're tying him down. So right now, and this is, I'm sure this is true. There's a lot of ladies out there. They like to meet a nice guy. Yeah. And they like to settle down and get married and have many uh, small babies. Sure. That is the size they usually come in. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) they would like to get a van. Yeah. And and everybody gets in it. Yeah. Right around. And like one of them says. Like Aerostar. Let's let's sing a song. Yes, and then they they all sing a you know a song. Like it, let's go through the alphabet and all say things we're thankful for. That kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's that's what Matt dreams of. Really, yes, clearly. 
So <laughs> dream um, isn't the right word there. Here's what I'm saying. There's a lot of ladies out there. That's that's what they're looking for. Yes. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. We can hook that up right now. Totally. Well, we make that as up. as Glenn, because you're Matt's actual boss, can you mm-hmm. just declare him married to somebody? Like is for it, sure. is it like a is it like a ship captain or, or yep. like a justice of the peace kind of situation? Yeah. Yeah, it's like being deployed in the army. Same, same thing. Yeah. What so. do you think commanding officers can just declare people married? Yeah, it's like you send them into battle. Same diff. <laughs> yes. Yeah, wow. Well done. You're well saying done. there might be casualties? Sure. But that's Definitely. acceptable to achieve the objective? I have been near death in my marriage <laughs> more times than most people who have been in combat. There will be and meetings. If you, if you doubt that, sure. I got believe me, I got evidence. Well, that. I feel like I can bring this all together then. Please yeah. do. It's I believe this episode releases on Valentine's Indeed Day. Indeed it does. So if you're saying Matt Really? Yeah. Oh. Okay, cool. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. does. Okay. So given uh. that Matt needs love. Maybe yes. you're listening. You need love. Here's what you do. Send in your Matt's Beard Appreciation Essay no. to Glenn. Yes. No. Glenn will read them. He yep. will decide on the best essay and declare yep. you married to Matt. This is bad. That is <laughs> Done perfect. So. Done this, so. is, this is wrong Boom. on every level. Yes. I think let's do We that. solved it, y'all. We no. solved it. It's we created stroke, many, many worse sorted. problems. We see, you know, this is what's great about this podcast. We just nothing at this point. Yeah. <laughs> we get in there and we fix it. You're welcome. You're welcome, Internet. Yeah, stuff's getting nothing done. is fixed. And on that basis, I declare, and everything's fixed now. Emergency off. Woo! <laughs> that went even worse than I feared. <laughs> now, dear friends who listen to the show, um, beloved listeners. Now you understand why it is imperative to my life and happiness that Jed and Glenn keep busy. Yes. Because if they don't, they have all sorts of ideas. Yeah. Now, one of the key things we used to keep them busy nowadays is Bridgebox. Oh, yeah. And we're going to need you to keep subscribing to Bridgebox because Glenn needs to keep picking some topics, putting together sermons. Jed needs to keep putting the music together. Because if they get, if they wander from that path, if much like, say, say you got like a, a dog that's not particularly smart. Sure. Right. You know, and I'm not talking about a golden retriever. I'm talking about a full-on mutt. Right. You got to get them out in the backyard and let them run around. Because yeah. if you don't, they're going to tear up the sofa cushions. Yeah. That's and right. that's really the same way with the people who work for this ministry. Sure. Apt we metaphor. Got to keep them pointed at something constructive or it's all going to go haywacky. Mm-hmm. So for this small, small donation of $8 a month, you go to missionusa.com slash Ridgebox, you sign up, you get all sorts of good stuff based on based on some uh, topic every month. We're still in the month of February. The topic is how do I let go of a relationship? We got a, a great new topic. It's going to cover Marshall. We'll talk more about that on next week's show. Um, you get songs, you get sermons, you get Bible studies. And most importantly, you give Glenn and Jed something to do. Yeah, it has true. nothing to do with screwing up my life. Yes. And that's the greatest gift of all. <laughs> and also we get to hire part-time employees to do amazing ministry work and get people in AA meetings and get people jobs and get people housing. But mostly... Glenn and Jed keep running around in that backyard. Yeah. You get the macro lens, I'll get the camera. Let's do this. It's beard time. Glenn (laughs) will be on eBay buying a macro lens if he doesn't have to put together sermon notes. So, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Help a brother out, won't you? Yeah. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you all the way to the end, I'll give some ways to get in touch with us. First question comes into our email address, and it says... So I know that Paul in the New Testament talks about how our real battle as Christians is against against evil is a spiritual battle, not one of flesh and blood. 
But given that, how can we tell when someone has taken the concept of quote-unquote spiritual warfare too far? And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, if they're talking about it. Ah! <laughs> that's, uh, that's, we've had, we've already had too much. Well, there is a, a particular tone yeah. and application in which they're talking about it that can indicate that um, yeah. maybe there's a little preoccupation here. That's right. Uh, and uh, to, to be a little more serious about it, I think here's the thing is that if you, uh, well, first of all, spiritual warfare uh, as a bit of lingo is often applied for situations where we're imagining a lot of mystical things happening that may or may not be happening. So there's, there, part of it is that. Uh, we all experience real, actual uh, opposition from the enemy, as far as that goes, whatever word we use for that. Uh, but the thing about that opposition is it's extremely predictable. Sure. So think of it like this. If I say, if I get in my car and I drive a long distance, I know 100% of the time there will be less gas in my tank when I arrive than when I started out. I don't say that that is um, an, an unusual or peculiar thing. I don't think of that as something I that sort of jump up and it's it's individuated to my situation. It's just that that's what happens. When you push forward in your spiritual walk, the enemy's going to push back. He's going to push back on your weakest point. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to keep pushing back as long as that works. That you can set your watch by that. Therefore, um, we don't need to do a lot of analysis about, about that, you know, wh where it's going to come, how it's going to come. We don't need to do a whole lot of breakdown on how that's working or whether it's working or, or, or whatever else. What we really needed to need to know is how do we grow and move forward in that area so it's no longer a weakness so that we move on to the next thing. So you know, if you're around here, we will say, well, the devil's working on this angle pretty hard, and it's obvious why, because... You know, he's trying to get me angry about this, and clearly that's a smart strategy because I'm I'm already most of the way there. Yeah. Uh, but that's not about let's do some spiritual battle to battle that. That's about I need to not be an angry little monkey anymore, and I need to get with God and give it up. Uh, so uh, I think there's a, a the the Bible talks about uh, people who. Uh, uh, puff themselves up with idle notions of things that they think they've seen, uh, and this idea of um, you know I am I am in the in the crux of a mighty cataclysm of spiritual conflict, uh, when in fact that is serving as an excuse of why you're not moving forward and getting things done, and off of that I think the main spiritual battle that most of us face is stuff like apathy, fear in action, mm -hmm. where we're stuck on something and we're trying to get unstuck, that's the real nature of, of uh, you know, that, that conflict and that battle, how that plays out. So it's about uh, finding ways of moving forward. Absolutely right. I think that's a great place to start this out. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here because I think one of the other things is, as Glenn's talking about, there is a, a real thing that Paul means, particularly in like Ephesians 6, when he's talking about, you know, the, the part that our question asker quoted. And there's a real thing of spiritual uh, warfare, which is one of the main aspects of when you're talking about the real thing, as Glenn points out, is it's not super dramatic. 
Um, but when it gets overblown to talk about this, I think one of the things maybe we get into is people trying to spiritualize their emotions, mm. which emotion and spirituality can kind of dance near each other, but are we getting into trouble by making those the same thing? Yeah, I, I've I've been around a, a good little bit of this, um, you know, in, in certain kind of Christian circles. And one of the things that can happen when people are super hopped up on the spiritual warfare stuff, exactly as you're saying, is that uh, they get really uncomfortable when people feel their normal feelings. Mm. Um, and, th- and they got a problem with you feeling your normal feelings. So something happens to you and you feel some kind of way about that, then somebody want to co- wants to come at you with, well, I think you're under attack. And, and how are you going to face that attack? That spiritual attack. Let's spiritualize this thing so that, you know, because I'm basically uncomfortable with the idea that you're a normal person with some normal feelings. Um, and if, if you get a, if you get the idea that I'm kind of driving at the, you know, this kind of angle of sometimes people that are too hopped up on the spiritual warfare stuff can be just in general, a little weird. Um, that's one of the things, you know, when you're asking about what are the signs, here's a question I would ask is, in general, is this person like a good hang? Um, or are they kind of too weird to just hang out with folks? Mm-hmm. Um, I think enough of us, if you've been around the Christian thing long enough, you've met folks that are seriously, seriously into the spiritual warfare thing at a level in which like, they don't have a lot of normal friends who maybe aren't Christians who may, or or just like folks, just like just kind of folks that they hang out with and watch a movie with and talk about books and the game with. And the reason I bring that up is that when you go through the Gospels, you will find that Jesus was great friends with folks. Outsiders loved him. Paul talked about how we should have a great reputation with outsiders. But sometimes when we get so when we when we ex- like blow certain things out of proportion, then what happens is is that we we kind of push people out. Um, we push people away with kind of the kind of the 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 inside baseball, um, and 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 that's really when things get out of hand. Because what it should be is it should be a situation where. Um, like exactly as Glenn's saying, this is kind of normal stuff. It's the it's the guilt that we feel. It's the it's the relationship the, the way that we have you know the the kind of normal tensions in relationships. These are the things that the enemy is aggravating in us to get us discouraged, to get us isolated, to get us alone. But a lot of times with the with the really overblown spiritual warfare stuff. It gets to a level where you're not allowed to feel your feelings. Nobody outside of the Christian thing would have any idea what you're talking about or what you're or, or what you're on half the time. When clearly throughout the New Testament, outsiders were comfortable with Jesus. Outsiders loved to be around him. Outsiders being having a good reputation with outsiders was something that was that Paul was big on. And so these are some of the good questions that we want to ask: Is are is it okay for people to be normal people with normal feelings? Um, is it, do we have the kind of life that, that normal folks are, are comfortable around? Um, or is it weird? Is it outlandish? And are you kind of in trouble if you have feelings? Those are some of the questions that I would be looking for as far as when is, when does this thing get outside of the re- uh, left or right limits? I think it's a really great point. And Jed, I'd love to get to you here. And, um, there's a couple of aspects about this, one of which we haven't talked about yet, but I think it's worth, uh, glancing near is so when some people talk about the spiritual warfare thing what they're talking about is demonic whatnot sure um 
which here's the thing. Here's the official uh, position of the Say That podcast, if I can boil it down, on demons and possession and whatnot. Eh. Sure. It's described in the Bible. It happens. It doesn't happen almost the way anyone describes it currently. Yeah. But that's the thing, and if that's something you felt, you know, you had a, a whole thing, and somebody said, well, I think you might be a demon. <laughs> eh, whether or not they're right, I'm not sure you want to hang out with that person anymore. I've been described as a demon, personally. Sure. Well, uh, to, to that point, uh, you, you shared a story with me about, I think, visiting uh, either your, a family member or someone, visiting someone in a psych ward, and yeah. there was a guy who would have a full-on freakout if, like, any cross-shaped thing was in yep. the room, even if he couldn't see it. Yep, that's right. I, think, I don't have a good explanation for that. Sure. But um, the answer was not something deeply and profoundly spiritual. This was a guy who needed actual help, yeah. which I think you walk through it would actually look a lot like the armor of God stuff that is ticked on in Ephesians 6. The question I put to you is, um, let's say some deep, profound spiritual warfare existed. Sure. How would that actually change our life? How would that affect us and because that seems to be the question that the people who get really wound up in this never actually want to talk about no you're right about that you're right about that well you know i think part of what we have going on here in a weird sense is the reality tv effect there's the way things in life actually work and there's what looks cool right and those two don't have anything to do with each other so for example espionage is real all countries have spies all of them it's it's a big part of you know how governments do their business it doesn't look anything like James Bond. By definition, <laughs> if you were the best looking person in a room, you would be a terrible spy because everyone <laughs> would be looking at you. Yeah. If, if you're a male model in a perfectly tailored linen suit running across rooftops in Morocco with a gun chasing a man with iron teeth, <laughs> this is this is not a secret's out, friend. <laughs> you're crushing my dreams, Jed. Way to go. I mean, I mean, it looks cool. It yeah. looks amazing, but this is not espionage. You know, similarly, if you watch, you know, TV or you watch movies, you know, you think that, uh, you know, making music is, you know, people being in this magical studio environment, you know, with perfect scarves. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, no, my friend. It's one dude in a corner on a laptop moving squares around on a screen. That's right. that's how modern music is made, you know. So similarly here, you know, I mean, yeah, spiritual warfare is for sure a real thing, but it doesn't look like a Stephen King movie. Right. Uh, it, right. That's not how it works. Glenn said it already, said that the, the devil always attacks your weakest point. And he's right about that. Here's the funny thing. You don't know what your weakest point is. Right. Everybody has blind spots. Yeah. That's your weakest point. Yeah. The stuff you're not looking at, that's the stuff the devil is attacking. And I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Everybody, and I, I mean this word in, in its literal definition, everybody has prejudices. Everybody has things in life that they prejudge. They don't evaluate them on their own merits. They just get in there and say, this is, this is how it is. And whenever we have prejudices, we're wrong a certain critical percentage of the time. Yeah. Um, and again, this is any form of prejudice. It doesn't yeah. make any difference. All the devil has to do is push you to go in that direction. Yeah. The gentlest touch to go yeah. slightly farther in the direction you already want to go in. Yep. You're absolutely right about that thing you think. Yep. yep. You're smart. You're the smart one. That's a yeah. good thought. You should keep thinking that. So all he has to do, and you go, thanks, voice in my head. I feel affirmed. Right. Well, that's full-on spiritual warfare. Right. And it's brilliantly executed because you will wreck your life and not do the things God wants you to do. But here's the best part. You'll never associate that with the devil. Right. 
And that's that's his goal. That's yeah. good spiritual warfare. So you don't know what's going on. If there's a winged creature with fangs and horns, you <laughs> might say, "Whoa, whoa, everybody, hold up, <laughs> be, Boo. be cool, be cool, y'all." I mean, <laughs> the, the Bible says that the devil comes disguised as an angel of light. That's right, uh, and he does that for precisely that reason. Um, mm. You know, the the devil doesn't want you to notice that he's there. He doesn't want you to notice what he's doing. The whole point is to play you. The whole point is to con you and get you to do things without realizing that this has has happened to you. But I think the the real thing that we want to land on. This is something I learned from Glenn. Is to ask this: Are you doing anything worth waging war against? Mm. Let me ask that again. Or you brought up your friend. Is your friend feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, making disciples of all nations? If you're not in the Lord's army doing the Lord's business, there's no reason to make to wage war against you. That's right. He's already got you where he wants you. Exactly right. The devil's goal is not to make you do naughty things. The devil's goal is to make sure you don't live out God's calling for your life. Boom. If, Man. if, if you're already in that mode... He's not going to pile on. He has limited resources. He has to be efficient. So the thing is, don't worry about scary things that go bump in the night. You know, find a pastor, find a mentor, email us, invest in what the Lord's specific calling is in your life and get busy living it. And then spiritual warfare will find you. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I would close it out by adding just one thing to what these guys said, which is if you feel that you have been on the receiving end of some of this stuff and identified that. Um, the other really problematic assumption that people get too way too wound up on this stuff is, is they want to talk about how some people might just not have their demon resistance up. What? <laughs> and maybe some people just, and that's, again, super not the way it works. One of the things we can say for sure about spiritual warfare is that it does happen to everyone. So if you've been through some really tough times and you've identified that this is uh, the enemy trying to take you out in the way these guys described and done the work to get back on the other side of that, that's a positive. That's, yep. as, that's as Jed has said. That's identifying uh, weaknesses and blind spots, which Glenn again will also often points out to the staff, the, 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 the judo of when the devil's attacking you is that's telling you exactly what you need to work on. Yep. But if you can do that work, don't put up with, with churchy people saying, well, you know, they seem to have had some problems. Somewhere there's some, some lingering demonic whatnot there. Mm. You know, Maybe the pathogens didn't get all the way out and, it's it's it is a funny kind of trip of the people who want to really engage in the drama of spiritual warfare stuff, but never want to have any of their own struggles. They just kind of want to be the uh, the uh, the medium, the kind of ghost whisperer of demonic stuff, and talk about how they recognize it going on in all sorts of other people. And as we pointed out, these are people who you probably don't want to spend too much time with. Right. And the the weird part about that is there are some people who are sweet and nice and helpful and are massive weirdos about this stuff. And as in all things, everybody's a massive weirdo about something. There's a point, there's some you can put up with, but if they start trying to turn that on you, make you feel bad or whatever, it's best to just kind of disengage because it's not going to be fun to be around them anyway. So that's again, not a negative, but we move on to our next question here. This actually came in, in a number of different forms to uh, both our inbox and Glenn's inbox. We kind of, um, amalgamated a lot of questions into one. So this question comes in and says, I told my pastor that I just didn't feel like I was getting fed or equipped in the church. He said that I didn't have a good attitude and it wasn't his job to fix this and that I should be more committed. That didn't sound right. And I'd already committed to leaving, 
but some part of me wonders if he has a point. That's a fine question. And again, we had this coming from a couple of different sources, so apparently there's something in the air. Yeah. So uh, Lee, as as the uh, requisite church pastor on the show, uh, we will start with you. Do they have a point? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you uh, you have a point in saying you probably need to roll on somewhere else. Uh, yes, that you, is where the point lies in this. Yeah, so here's the deal. is As a pastor, I can tell you this. I want to help people grow in their faith. Um, that is my calling. That is my job. That's what I'm here to hmm. do. And I want to know if people feel this way. If If people in my ministry feel like, I'm I'm a part of this and yet I'm not growing at all. I need to know that. I want to have those conversations. I want to figure out where we're missing each other somewhere. Um I want to know what I can do to help because that is the job of a pastor. Um a pastor is is a shepherd. Um a shepherd is trying to get to the sheep to uh the the the, the best grass, the cleanest, clearest water to protect them from the wolves, the whole deal, get them back home. That's, that's, the, that's the biblical description of what the, you know, somebody in ministry is doing, is shepherding someone along, getting them fed, taking care of them, and getting them home. Um, that's, that's a pastor's job. And that's what I want to do in, in my ministry with the flock that the Lord's entrusted to me. And if somebody feels like they're not being fed, that's something that I need to know. Um, and we may have a misunderstanding there. I will say this, not everybody is going to, uh, like not everybody is going to, is going to be down with the way that I do things. Um, with the, you know, not everybody is going to get something out of my preaching or out of my, you know, teaching or counseling or something like that. And they may find that they, they have a better fit somewhere else. And that's totally cool. And sometimes you find that even from good ministries, um, you find that it's, it's just not the right place for you for whatever reason in the season that you're in your life. And all of that is cool. But if you have a pastor who basically says, uh, it's your job to grow and it's not, it's not my job to feed you. Um, that's a misunderstanding of what that role is. That's what our job in ministry is. We want to, we want to serve and we want to help you in your journey with the Lord. We want to help you move along. We want to explain things in a way we want to, it's almost like if you're, if you're rock climbing with somebody that it's not that they're a better person than you or anything like that. They've just been on this rock before and they're saying, Hey, I'm a little ways ahead of you. And I'm looking back and I'm telling you, I know you can't see it, but there's there's a little handhold over to the right, right above, you know, your right shoulder or something like that. Reach up over there. I know because I was just down there. This is a pastor's job to help people move along. And so for somebody to say, I don't want to do that. That's not my job. You got a bad attitude. Yeah, it's time to push on. Indeed it is. Quite. And, uh, Joe, I'd love to, to go to you here. I think one of the things that... Uh, Maybe as you know, our friends described in the question, kind of, I was walking away from that, and I there was a, that echo of maybe they had a point. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, it could possibly be true in your life, sure, that you were not committed enough to the things you could have been should have been committed to in your spiritual life. Yeah. However, this must be said, that's profoundly different than not being committed enough to a church. Yep. Particularly the one where the people in charge seem to think it's not their job to help you. Yep. So how do we balance that idea behind? okay, there's a proper level of commitment, but what 
point does in my spiritual life, yeah. but what role does a church necessarily play in that? That's a great question. Well, you know what? On the way to answering that, let's kind of pull the camera back for a second and, and define a few big picture things. And, and almost in a sense, this has to do with what does it mean to be a Christian? So where it starts is really simple. You, you go, I'm a hot mess, and I've made a bunch of mistakes, and my life is a disaster, and I realize that Jesus is there for me anyway, and he loves me anyway, and he has already taken the punishment for my sins, and he's got a plan and a purpose for my life, and uh, a free gift of salvation and eternal life. So I'm going to say yes to all of that, and, and I'm going to invite Jesus into my heart, and now I'm a Christian. That's where it begins. Now I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to walk with him. And he has a mission and a calling for my life, just like we were talking about in that last question. And I may not know every detail about it. There's no way I would, but he has a calling for me. He has a purpose for me. And I want to live into that. That's that's what I'm doing now. And a big part of that certainly is, again, just like in the last question saying, there are obstacles that I need to overcome. There's stuff, you know, in my head and my heart that I need to deal with. There are there are issues that I have that I need that I need to handle. And to be crystal clear, the thing that matters kind of in the Lord's economy is are you dealing with the thing that's in front of you today? Um, if you've got a, a struggle, say, with anger, you taking the one next step on dealing with anger is just as important in the context of the kingdom of God as somebody who's preaching to a thousand people in another part Amen. of the world. That's awesome. ju- there is no difference between those two things. It's right. just, what does the Lord have in front of you today? And right. just like Matt was saying, if you are in- invested in the process of uh, that thing, then it, you are as legit as anybody in Christianity, and there there will be pushback from the enemy in that moment because you're, you're you know, following the Lord. But now, what does a church have to do with all that? What a church has to do with all that is that they are meant to come alongside you and equip you for the thing God's asking you to do. So let's say that you have that struggle with anger. That's the thing that's before you today. Well, you need a few things for that journey. A, you need some good wisdom. How do you deal with anger? I mean, you don't, if you knew all the answers, you probably would have done something about it. I mean, we need some information on this. Then we need some encouragement. We need people that are seeing where our victories are and cheering us on and even seeing when we're not having victories, but we're making an effort and and we're getting back up and cheering us on on that. So that's encouragement. And then um, the third is uh, people who, and this is a, you know, a more specialized thing, but people who can help to hold us accountable, who can, who can be those really those closest people to us that, that really get the inside track on what we're doing. But again, that's, that's equipping, that's encouragement and that's accountability. But All of that is focused on helping you live out the calling and the mission and the purpose that God has for you in your life. None of that is actually about you just being committed to this church and thinking it's super neato. It's actually the opposite of that. It's you being committed to the Lord and being committed to the purpose that he has for you, and being devoted to living that out, and then finding a place that will help you do that. That's actually what it means. So yes, you should be more committed. So should I, for that matter. We should all be 100% committed to doing the work God is calling us specifically to do, whatever that is today. Again, wherever we are in that process, that doesn't make any difference. 
But that means because we're committed that we're going to the place that best feeds us, that best equips us, that best encourages us, that best empowers us to live out that calling. And in that, we have an obligation to be ruthless. If Mm. this church can't get that done, if they won't get that done, then we have an obligation to move on. We have an obligation to go somewhere that will. And the beautiful thing is that doesn't need to look a certain way. Um, they There are people who their church is a Celebrate Recovery meeting. That's the yeah. thing that builds them up and equips them and encourages them and gives them what they need. I have other friends who their church body is an old-fashioned primarily um, elderly folks, Anglican church that meets at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning, but it does everything they need it to do, and it equips them and builds them up. The key thing is the fruit. Does it equip you? Does it encourage you? Does it build you up? You should be committed to finding that, but you don't have an obligation to go to some church and uh, donate 80 hours a week there just because Pastor Ricky says so. Pastor Ricky. He's killing us. Yeah. And Lee, jump in there before I throw it to Glenn. Yeah. There, Jed went through something really, really important. I just want to throw a highlighter on it for just a second. And that is that for so many folks, um, in their experience in the church, if, if they could put a finger on it, they would say, the feeling that I have is that we all have a part to play to keep this thing going whatever it is, the name of the church, the building of the church, this mission of the church, when the way that you should feel is the folks that are a part of this church, they're here to serve me and to help me and to get me built up, encouraged, and ready to go out and do what God has for me. Jeb was saying that, and that's so important. We need to highlight it, that that that, that needs to be the thing. And so often it's not. So often Everything about a church is to perpetuate that name, perpetuate that brand, perpetuate that thing or that person or that whatever, so that we, everybody that goes into those doors exists to make that thing keep going, that machine just perpetually move forward and be what, whatever, awesomer or something. When the feeling you should have is I go in there and I get filled up and I feel encouraged and I feel stronger and I feel ready to go out and face my life and what God has for me. And you know what? Those people in that building, they, I get the feeling and I know from experience that they're there to serve me. That's the way it should be. And too often it's the other way around. That's a really great point and definitely worth going back to, and Glenn, as you close us out here, I think we can look more at this idea of there, there, there's a bit, gotta be a balance here, you know? Right. It's, it is unfair to walk into a church and expect to do nothing. And the pastor just kind of whip you into spiritual growth. Right. Right. Um, I don't know if that's ever actually happened in the history of church, but you know, it's, that'd be an unfair expectation. Um, it's also, as we pointed out, uh, strongly and repeatedly, totally unfair for the pastor to expect you to just kind of do a spiritual Ikea. Right. Just kind of make all this stuff yourself. Yeah. But he still gets paid and gets to have the building and do whatever he wants. Right. So what's what's the balance there as far as a reasonable expectation from a pastor and a reasonable expectation from ourselves? Well, yeah, I think it's a good question because ultimately you have to submit yourself to the process of being fed. That's, you know, if you're not doing that. It's... As you often say to people with the bridge, you got to participate here. That's right. You know, you, you, as we've said a bit on the podcast before, it's about asking, am I getting as much out of this as I'm putting into it? If you're if you're committing yourself to the process and you're there and you're ready to get fed and you're paying attention and you got your pencil out and everything, you're ready to take notes and nothing's really coming, well, we can't blame that on you as far as that goes. If you're not willing to, to, to have that level of commitment, well, then you aren't in a position to get anything. 
And if you're doing some stuff and not getting anything out of it, why don't you just double down on the free labor is not really a right. satisfactory answer. That's right. But here, let's cut through all this and talk about the real deal here. Okay. Uh-oh. Here's the real deal. First of all, almost word for word, this topic, I was counting my head as these brothers were talking. I counted four different people in the past couple of weeks who gave me almost exactly this same issue that they're struggling with. I'm going to a church. Pastor doesn't seem to be able to keep me fed or interested in that. I, uh, I, I don't feel like I'm equipped. I've heard that. Uh, but here's the thing about that is I hear the other side of this as well because I work with pastors. Uh, and uh, this uh, past couple of weeks, uh, we had uh, uh, Jed and I had to sit down with a guy who is the sweetest guy in the world. We love him to death. He's a prominent pastor. And he's saying, um, th- this was his, he, he was saying, I don't want to be the hub of the church. I don't want to be the central focus. Yeah. I don't think a pastor should be that. And he used the term, uh, I want to be an undercover layperson, was the language he used on that. Okay, um, very humble. That's great. But uh, we do need someone to captain the ship here. <laughs> we do need somebody to put his hand on the tiller and get us where we need to go here. And um, that's you. That's This is what's happening. And I'm expressing that back to him in polite language. But you see that there is this sense of it's like a standoff where the pastor's waiting for the church to be really committed. The, the, the church is waiting for the pastor to give them something that they can use, and we're, we're not meeting in the middle. But I'm coming back to your original question here, which is expectation. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Uh, here's what, when people say in the church, that's not my job, here's what you need to hear. I don't know how to do that. Yep. That's why they're saying that. Uh, first of all, it undeniably is their job to, to feed the people and to equip them and train them and whatever. And it also should be said that if you ask me to do something I don't know how to do, the first words out of my mouth will be, I don't know how to do that. Let's go talk to so-and-so. I'm pretty sure he knows how to do that. Uh, So there's a different attitude happening there. If if you don't ever hear from someone, I don't know how to do that, you just hear instead, that's not my job. That's their way of avoiding admitting that they don't know how to do that. Let's put this in a different context. The kind of ministry that we run, here's how it works. It's a mission-style ministry. It's exactly like the kind of ministry that you'll read about in the Bible, okay? Here's how this works. Um, I met Jed many years ago. I start working with Jed. I'm meeting with Jed regularly. We're sitting down. We're talking about life. We're talking about spirituality. I build certain things into Jed. Jed meets or and acquaints himself uh, with a guy that he knows named Pete. He works with Pete. He builds him up, raises him up, brings him to the bridge. I get to know Pete. He starts volunteering with us. We decide to hire him. I meet with me right now. Every week I meet with Pete, and we talk about life. We talk about ministry. Uh, we talk about uh, strategy and growth and all of those different things. We get into whatever we need to get into. We take as much time as we need to do that. Pete then has a guy that he's working with. This is a deacon in our service, and, and this uh, the, the, the uh, Bridgebox subscription service pays for those guys to help us at our service. Pete's working with one of our deacons named Jesse. He meets with Jesse every week, and he's listening to what he's struggling with. He's raising him up. He's training him up. He's, he's doing that. Jesse goes to a residential program where these guys are coming out of jail, 
coming off the streets, dealing with drug addiction, all this. Jesse's going in there, and he's working with those guys every week. Here's what we're talking about, is it's passed on, one person to another, to another, to another. Right. Everyone's just passing on what they've been given. Mm-hmm. If you're not given that in the first place, you don't have anything to pass on. Mm-hmm. If you look at what we're doing, it all works because everybody has the same DNA. It all, it all comes from the same place. Now, each person in that chain adds their own giftedness and their own abilities and their own wisdom and, and all of that, and their life experiences, all of that. So it gets richer and better and more full as it goes along that, that chain. And everyone, everyone adds something to it. So it improves as it spreads out and grows. What I just described to you is not what's happening in your church. Yeah. Mm. The, the, what I just described to you is not happening in 99.9999% of all churches in the world. So having an expectation that you should go in there and talk to a guy who calls himself pastor, who has a diploma on the wall that some dude handed to him, and uh, I mean, it's not like that came down from heaven or something. You follow what I'm saying? Two dudes got together, and one says, "You seem pretty special to me." And the other guy says, "Yeah, I got the, the 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 test to prove it." Well, okay, then here's a piece of paper. That's how we pick people to lead us in the church. Thanks, dude. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But here's the thing: is that person hasn't been trained in how to counsel people, how to disciple people, how to raise them up. He doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair to, 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 to say, well, I, I want to be mad about that attitude that he has, or I, I want to, to, to put an expectation on him that just isn't reasonable. If he wasn't given that, he doesn't know how. He should tell you that he doesn't know how. That's the, that's the problem. That, that's the part that he needs to be accountable to. But if he doesn't know how, it's about finding somebody who does. And that might be a missionary friend of yours, it might be a youth ministry guy, a parachurch guy, a guy who's doing stuff uh, with campus ministry, homeless ministries, any of those kinds of things, prison ministry, finding someone like that who can help you and equip you in a way that that pastor cannot. Yeah, I think that's a really fantastic way to lay that out, and a very interesting look to get that confronted the other side on the pastor's point. Um, the, the thing we run into a lot on this is there's this idea of if you just pour in some more money, some more time, some more effort, some more seriousness, it'll pay dividends inevitably and without me having to do anything. Uh, there are some churches that are a spiritual Ponzi scheme. Yes. That are just kind of, you keep putting in, yep. and eventually you'll probably get something back. And But if not, we, here's, here's the thing we, we hear a lot about churches that we, have, that we push back on pretty strongly, is um, church, you gotta. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's a number of, and we see the numbers from denominations. It's a rapidly shrinking number of people who the reason they're in a Sunday morning church service is because that's how they were raised going to church on Sunday morning in this particular type of church. And they're just kind of been on autopilot on that for a number of decades. And um, through some huge church economic church booms of the past couple of decades, that's how churches won. They would do enough marketing and enough advertising mm-hmm. to say that the number of people who are going to go to church it will come here. The interesting thing about that it relates to what Glenn is saying. Um, Jed and I do our Bridgebox stuff. We do the podcast. We do a lot of stuff that as music has led to us meeting with marketing people. Just We've had some wonderful friends, our friends Christy, um, our friend Steve helped us on that. 
where it says these are experts in their field and they tell us here's the thing about marketing here's the part that uh blew jed and i away for sure is they would say the point of mark of advertising is not to make you want to buy a product if you know if you you watch you know the olympics right now and they're advertising whatever it is tied the goal is not for you to be a serious couch but i gotta get me some tide <laughs> and run out the goal is just awareness saturation so that when the next time you're at the grocery store and you think I need detergent, yep. I think Tide because I've heard yeah, of that. Right. And that, when you get marketing consultants to go to church, that's what they say. There's X number of people. And they, uh, Glenn has recently talked to some denominational people who at their church, the church they're based out of, can tell you to the person. Here's how many people live within a five mile block of this building. Yep. Here's their average income. Here's how many children they yep. have. Yep. That's what mar- and marketing tells you. X number of them are going to go to church. So here's how you get them. Right. What it doesn't yeah. tell you is here's how you have to entice people to getting to church. Here's the right. the value proposition. And at some churches, when you start putting forth what's the value proposition here, they get a little antsy about that. Right. Yeah. So what we're telling you, if I can, some what these guys told you is. When you hit that button, that's that is an indication that's the right question to be asking. You say, oh, "I feel like I'm not being spiritually equipped." As as Lee pointed, Lee gave us started this whole thing by giving us the right answer, pastor to have, which is, "Well, that's a problem. What can we do to deal with right. that?" If the answer is, "Well, suck it, we're the church, just <laughs> deal with it." That's a, if they put it exactly like that, I would respect it in a way. Sure, <laughs> but well, the sentiment would clear. still be wrong. So. All that to say, you're not wrong for wanting more out of your church if you feel like you're not being equipped. And when you bring those those uh, concepts, then you get that kind of pushback. As Glenn is pointing out here, uh, what may be there is a fundamental disagreement about what you should be getting out of this, which takes us back to Jed said, which is if the church refuses to be that for you, uh, there are plenty of other places to get the things you need out of that. And your time is better spent looking for those rather than totally reforming the church, as Glenn is talking about here. So. All that's a lot of great stuff. We, we, as you may notice, for how long we talk about that, we have a lot of thoughts and opinions on this kind of stuff. So if you have more questions, feel free to follow up with us on that. We're going to jump to our final question here. This comes in anonymously to our email address, and it says, Some very close Christian friends have recently banned me from entering their house because they say they heard from the Lord to do so. <laughs> they claim that it's, and get this, not personal that I've done nothing to anger them or otherwise offend them, and that, that right. the decision to ban me has come as a result of intense prayer and discernment. Mm. How in the world do I respond to this? I prayed about it, I asked mentors in my life, and I still can't make any sense of it. And Jed, why don't you start us off? Well, I'm sorry. That's that's really the key thing. Um, you can't make sense of it because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So uh, we, we probably want to say that. I mean, here's the, the thing. Is there something they're not telling you? That's... Yep. That's the key thing. That's so, uh, you know, there's a there's a principle that you might have heard of called Occam's Razor. And Occam's Razor says that the simplest explanation is usually the right one. And there's a lot of truth and a lot of wisdom. The simplest explanation here is that there's something they're ashamed of. Um, and so they're hiding. That's the simplest explanation. What are they ashamed of? I don't know. I can, I'm going to offer you some guesses uh, for what it's worth, but I, I don't I don't know. But um, this is behavior that looks a heck of a lot like hiding. People hide when they're ashamed. So there you go. But to be clear, there's something they're not telling you. Um, the the uh, the idea that um, we intensely prayed and fasted and heard the voice of the Lord directing us to never have you in our home again um, 
While I can't prove that's not true, I strongly suspect it's not true. <laughs> On the other hand, the idea that um, they have a sense of shame about something and they are hiding, um, that's very likely to be true. Right. Uh, uh, some of these might sound a little bit weird, and they might sound like we've jumped to some really dark places, but... Well, to be clear on that, um, I, I, can, I think I can speak safe for us. We have all had people do this to us. Sure. To cut us out or be weird to us. And their explanation about, God told me to. Sure. Right. So we're, we're, not, we're pulling out some loose threads in your specific situation. But in the meta, we've all had some uh, not insignificant experience with these kind of things. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. So I can run a couple possible options past you. They're, they're probably going to sound pretty dark. But, you know, we, we deal with the rough stuff in people's lives and... These are the things that usually come up. So um, you've been going to their house. You've been hanging out with them. You are suddenly banned. The first option is that there's a sexual thing there. Right. Uh, one of them is sexually attracted to you, yeah. uh, feels a deep sense of shame about that, doesn't know what to do about that. Um, uh, they may or may not, as a couple, have talked about it. Um, there's any number of dynamics, but one option is certainly there's there's some sort of sexual tension there and and probably in the form that one of them is sexually attracted to you that'd be option number 1 uh, option number 2 is there's a substance abuse thing going on there um one of the most common things for people caught up in substance abuse is hiding behavior and not wanting people around their home that's actually mm. an extremely common thing sure, yeah. um and it turns out um Substance abuse is super common in the church, um, and uh, it sounds like your friends um, may be from a bit more of a charismatic background. Substance abuse is very common amongst people from a charismatic background. Right. So, um, you know, all that holiness movement stuff doesn't do anything to curtail substance abuse. Yeah, sure. uh, the, the third possibility is that there's some other form of abuse going on. Uh, that could be that there's an emotionally abusive dynamic to, the, to their relationship. Um, there could be a physical abuse thing going on. Uh, God forbid there could be other forms of abuse going on. But when there's abuse going on, people don't want other people there to witness it and to be around it and to see it or to see the evidence of it. So they just hide. Um, I think the, the odds are decent that it's one of those. It could also be a combination of those elements. Uh, again, it's conjecture. I don't know. But, but here's what I do know. It's not you. Uh, yeah. We 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 want to be crystal clear on that. That's right. Uh, when people are are this level of weird, that's that's not you. That's that's a dysfunction that's going on in their own lives. Uh, rejection still hurts, even when it's you know this level of cataclysmically weird. And I'm sorry for the pain that you are undoubtedly experiencing off this. But this is not you. This is this is not on you. This is people who are 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 going through a rough time in their lives don't know how to be honest about it, don't know how to handle it, and so are um, behaving improperly as a result of that. Yep. That's a really great point. And Glenn, I'd love to go to you here. I think Jed really covered this situation uh, really well. I'd love to broaden this out a little bit, too. I think one of the things that's going on here, as we, as I mentioned with us, kind of uh, us having experienced this, uh, there's a sense, I think, amongst a certain type of uh, religious person that God told me is a, an automatic trump card. Right. Conversation ender, you can't right. interrogate that. Right. How would you even know what God told me? Right. Um, right, right. You, have, you have had what I've, uh, the best response I've ever heard to that, and I think it applies to this situation of, I can just check. <laughs> Which sounds like your friend did. They say, well, I prayed about it, and I didn't get that same answer. So how do we start to process that? Of It's, it's kind of one of those things where either two options of either they have the hotline to God and I don't, or we're getting more into what Jed's talking about. Well, absolutely. I, I think ultimately uh, you're not being told the 100% whole story here. And that's 
part of what that triggers, I think, within us is a sense of, I need to solve the mystery, man. And that, you know, there's not a lot of good mental health down that road. Yeah, happiness does not lie that way. It really doesn't. I mean, here's the thing, too. Is your friends uh, say they're Christian, and I'm sure they must be on some level, don't have any way of knowing. But here's the thing is when you are a Christian and you're friends with other Christians, here's the story you tell yourself about that relationship. Because we're both Christian, I'll probably never be hurt by them in a totally mysterious and weird <laughs> sure. way. Sure. Oh. Uh, the, the, the people who are in professional ministry are cackling as I say that <laughs> yep. for a reason. Because, holy crap, are, will Christians get up to some misbehavior or wrong stuff? And, say that, and, dude. And just weird stuff. You know, you just get on some weird head, head trip and then you're signing God's name to the bottom of that and putting us all on that and whatever else. Christians are human. They are they have all the same problems that everybody else has. They're they're hopefully working on that. They're hopefully submitting themselves to the Lord in, in that process. I don't know what stage they're at in that process, but it is definitely a very early stage, if any. Yes. Because this is not how this stuff goes. Um, again, they could be leaving out details that would explain all this and where it would uh, make sense. Uh, but it still doesn't matter because here, here, here's the, the bottom line facts we do know for sure. One is that your friends, your Christian friends, have no idea, and I really mean no idea, how to be. Yes. Mm. And that's important in a friend. Yeah. A friend needs to know how to be. Yes. If I say, I don't want you to take this personally, but I don't want your person to be anywhere <laughs> near me because of the devil and demonic feelings and spiritual forces and Jesus. That's not how you say the word devil in that context. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The devil. Yes, much the, better. The fruits of the devil. <laughs> Here's what the devil doesn't want you to know. Exactly. Exactly. Glenn choked on his own 1990s Mike Myers reference right there. <laughs> That's right. What happened? Here's what I'm saying is, uh, if, if you if you make a deeply personal attack against someone, preface with, don't take it personally. <laughs> then you just don't understand how relationships work, right. and in that basis, or language. Or language, exactly. I think you're great. I just never want you anywhere near me or my home or my possessions or my loved one. But you are great. I don't understand why the Lord told me this, because I think you're awesome. Look, I'm on your side. It's the big guy, okay? (laughs) Yeah, blame it on him. It's like a used car spills. I tried talking to my manager. He just won't go for it. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. And understand, and remember, I said this with all due respect. Yeah, this is the kind of thing, uh, uh, dude. Um, you he, here's the thing: is you can't have good and healthy relationships with people who are unhealthy enough to pull. It's not like this. So whether so so again, solving that mystery doesn't make sense, and it's going to end up being a waste of our time because the bottom line is uh, they're not capable of being good and healthy friends to you and. Yeah. Uh, you deserve to have that, and that's what we want for you, to move on to find that relationship elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's important to recognize that, um, that we, I think we 
and this is a hard word, but we all have a certain number of relationships where we think of this person as pretty normal, pretty squared away, and then you turn a certain corner in conversation and you realize, oh, no, oh my gosh, that's oh, so no. true. That's so true. And it's a, it's a moment, it, 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 part of you wants to think, well, no, maybe... Maybe maybe that's not totally racist what he just said, you know, uh, or it, it's not, you know, he's like, a, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, said something just xenophobic or something just horrible that you can never erase from your memory. You, you may want to that to not be true and go back to a more innocent time before you heard that, <laughs> but it's about recognizing uh, that some people got issues and we still love them and we still pray for them. And we can still give them a jaunty salute whenever we see them from a distance, and uh, keep that distance. That's critical, uh, and give them a chance that to work. court ordered distance. That's right. Give them a chance to work on their stuff, and concentrate on relationships with people who are capable of Amen. having a much more healthy interaction. I has a great point, Leo. We should close it out there because I think um, Glenn really put his finger on it there. As far as um, the answer here, as much as it's unpleasant, is yep. some acceptance. Yep. Yeah, because as Glenn pointed out, you know, if you solve the mystery, what's the aha? You have to let me in your house, even though you think I'm filled with demons and shouldn't be there. Right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not really much of a win. Yeah. So we're kind of forced into an issue of acceptance, which can be a hard road to get there. But I think yeah. getting the other side of that is worth it. Yeah, um, we, we feel for you because every single one of us have been uh, on the receiving end of this kind of nonsense. Here's the thing. This relationship is over. Um, yeah. It's over, and I, and and I'm sure that you know to whatever degree you really liked this person or loved this person or whatever history you have or whatever it is. I mean, Glenn is so right. You you have these relationships sometimes, and then people can sour on you, and and the weird thing once that happens, there's nothing you can do about it. There's there's not a there there's almost never a salvage plan. Um, I, I can tell you this, as somebody that's been in uh, professional, full-time vocational ministry now for about uh, almost 17 years, I can tell you that I have gotten the following letter many, many times. Are you ready? Here it goes. Hit me. Dear Lee, I, 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 I just didn't see this coming. I, I don't know why. I, I, I've loved Christ's community so much. It's been such a treasure for us. Um, we've grown so much here, and, and I just don't know what the Lord's up to, but I just really feel like the Lord is moving us on. Um, I, it doesn't make any sense to me, because this has been such a home, and we will forever treasure the relationships of everybody that we've loved here so dearly and so deeply. Um, and I'll remember <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Um, Please don't sue us, Sarah, or the ASPCA. <laughs> so here's the thing is, and then you find out, you know, in, in the early days, I would get this letter and, you know, I was a young guy, my early 20s, and I get this letter and I'm like, man, what's going on? These people really love us, but they're leaving the church. And then you find out a couple weeks later, they're super pissed about a thing they weren't brave enough to say out loud. And that has been the situation every single time. And here's the bummer is I've been, I've been dropped by a lot of people, uh, a lot of Christian people um, throughout this whole journey. 
And I'm going to give you an exact mathematical figure. Zero percent of them have ever been honest about it at all. Zero mm. percent. Mm. There's never been a time that somebody has said, hey, I'm walking out of this, and I need to tell you why, and it's this. Because that would have been a constructive conversation. And, and believe me when I say, I'm here for that conversation. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to have the big boy conversation. I'm ready to hear what needs to, be, what, what needs to change, how I need to do things differently, maybe how you need to do things differently, how we misunderstood each other, whatever. People are not brave enough to have that conversation. And Jed's exactly right in the very first thing he said, there is no talking some people out of their weird, man. Yeah. You, you can't do it. Therefore, the very last thing Glenn said, I'll just, just put an exclamation point on it. Um, as hard as this is, and trust me, sadly, it gets easier because you build up calluses, unfortunately. Uh, push on and let's move on because not all of us are this way. Not everybody, and, and this does, by the way, this does make Christians look bad. There's a whole lot that makes us look bad, but we're not all this way. So uh, we're sorry for you. We're pulling for you, but there's going to be some other folks out there, some folks who are re- willing to engage and do the hard work of actual relationships, which, is, which, as Glenn said, is learning to do relational difficulties because Christians are just like everybody else. And we're going to have fights, we're going to have issues, we're going to have disagreements, we're going to have problems. So we've got to be willing to have hard conversations. And here's the thing, we've got to be willing to be honest with each other. If we can do that, then we can forge some really, really worthwhile relationships that we'll get to have for a long, long time. But we've got to do the honest piece. These folks aren't willing to do that. They can't step away from their weird. It's time to push on. Yeah, it's a really great place to land it. I think there are two quick things I would throw in the end here. One, and it's it's been a thread to what all these guys are saying, but it's, we're sort of saying it out loud. Um, just because someone says, you know, the Lord told me this, mm-hmm. um, that's not a credible thing. You have to say, well, they must have some kind of point. It actually goes back to kind of what we're talking about in the last question about, um, you know, a pastor saying, well, it's not my job. It literally is. <laughs> just because you assert that in a Christian-y way, that necessarily doesn't say anything about you. You, you think, well, this person, you know, they, 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 it's not like they would just be totally making this up. That's kind of often that's exactly what happens is as Lindy's pointing out. And the other one, and this is not to um put to really put a, a sense of false hope or be uh, mushy about this, we at the bridge have actually had a decent return rate. It's still low statistically, but some folks who really act a fool, really, you know, do the full stomp out mad and I don't see again. And life circumstances change, and they cool out, and a certain amount of time, Sober they come up. back. Sure. <laughs> we did have a guy who accused Jed of being the devil. He also thought he might be Jesus. Yeah, we switched within about 30 seconds back and forth. It was <laughs> yeah. trippy. Yeah. And uh, we, had, we had to ask that gentleman to leave, because if you, if you think the worship leader might be the devil, you're probably not going to be able to participate in the, the, the service in a way that's constructive for you and all the rest of it. <laughs> Definitely time to sleep it off. But once that guy had done some sleeping off and had some issues... We've had people who've said that and worse come back and with a little contrition and a little humility. It's it happens a lot less in the suburban church. I'll be honest about that, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. So I think part of this is and it's worth mourning that this relationship, as it currently is, is done. It's like we talk about with the breakup, but there's a chance that a mm-hmm. relationship with these people could presume later on down the line that is dependent on they're making some changes and getting some perspective. So we're, we're probably better off and we'll join you in praying for them to get over whatever there is going on with them rather than worrying about if this is anything about you. Cause it clearly does not. All right. If you have a question for us, set podcast, gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago 
www.tumblr.com or tell the song. It's been a little while since we've put some hip hop on the end Ooh, of here. Nice. So we're going to look from our friends in the Deacons division. This is their take on the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. We'll take out that. Thanks for listening. Nice. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast right in today to win the chance to marry Matt's beard. And we'll throw in the Matt for free. Limited time offer. Boy, we're prohibited. All sales are fine. <laughs> Security like my Lord Jesus Christ, son of man, not asleep in the middle of a fire.